Well, we are in week four of our series on prayer. We are journeying together in this uh, 40 days of prayer. And uh, hopefully you have uh, been taking those prayer guides and you have been participating in that, that you have been uh, staying on top of, of being in prayer for 40 days over uh, your one big issue that you're praying for, over three friends that you want to know Jesus and for the city of Albuquerque, as we, as we go through every day praying for these things. Um, if you have been engaged in this uh, over the last few weeks, uh, you may have noticed that uh, once you start praying for things, um, someone shows up to start uh, tearing things down. Um, how many of you have felt like you have been under greater attack as you go into a season of prayer? I know I have. We've got a few here that, that, that once we started in on this prayer campaign, uh, things start to shake up a little bit. Uh, things don't go as planned. Chaos starts to break out. And as, as we've been through this 40 days of prayer, as, as a church, I have seen this, this start to happen, where conflict starts to break out, where sickness starts to break out, where things are coming up that are coming against us praying. Um, I myself have had like this stomach weirdness all week long where my stomach is just knotted up and will not, not go away. We're in this time of prayer, we're pressing in, and, and the enemy comes in and wants to distract us. Um, if you are visiting with us today, uh, we have been jumping in deep as we talk about prayer. Last week was, was very deep, talking about how we pray for others. Today is not going to be any different from that. We are going to jump in and talk about this idea of spiritual warfare and how the enemy comes in to distract. The enemy comes in to kill, steal, and destroy. There is a painting that was at once at the Louvre called Checkmate. It is a painting where you have on one side of the chessboard, you have this character that represents Satan. And he is looking at the pieces on the chessboard, and he is very pleased with how the game is going because he has his opponents in Checkmate. But on the other side of the table, we've got this man who is very distressed, because he is losing this battle. The, the pieces on the board are, are against him. He's not going to win the game, and he is distressed, and he is frantic because he is now in checkmate. But behind the table, we've got this angel that is watching out for this game, watching out for what's going on here. There is a legend that a chess champion came and visited the art gallery and saw this painting and was just really drawn into what was going on in this painting. As, as a chess champion, he wanted to figure out this chess game. And so he studied and studied and looked at this chess board and looked at the pieces that were on the board. And, and finally, after spending much time playing through in his head how the person could win this game, realizes that this person is actually not in checkmate. It's not checkmate at all. The man has one more move. The king has a final move to not only defeat his enemy, but win the game. The name of the painting is a lie because it's not checkmate. The devil does not win. The king has a final move. 
And so as we, as we face our battles in our lives, as we come through these struggles, as we go through these challenges, we find ourselves cornered and feel like we're in a place of defeat. But defeat is not the truth. Victory is the truth. That finding ourselves in a place where we feel like we're defeated is not what's really happening. The truth is that we're victorious because of Jesus. As followers of Jesus, we already have this victory. We're already victorious. We sing the old song, Oh, victory in Jesus. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. But instead of fighting the enemy as if we're already victorious, we fight our enemy thinking that we have to win and become victorious. But when we confront the enemy, when we confront these battles, we have already won. As we look at this history of this battle between the devil and God, we go back all the way to the very beginning where, where God creates the heavens and he creates the earth and it is good. Everything in heaven and everything on earth is good, including this angel called Lucifer. But at some point, Lucifer rebels against God and begins to wage war against God and against God's creation. Adam and Eve come in, and, and they are living in this perfect relationship with God. They are living in this paradise. And in this paradise, the devil comes in and starts to stir things up. He begins to plant lies, and he begins to plant deceit. And they eat of the forbidden fruit. And they're separated from God and separated from the garden. But God continues to provide for them. And God continues to have a rescue plan for them. God creates the people of uh, he creates a people through Abraham to bless the world but Satan attacks and the people are enslaved in Egypt God sends a rescuer Moses comes along to bring the people freedom and we see through the old testament this back and forth battle between the devil and between God and his people that this goes back and forth the people rebel, God sends his rescue plan. The people rebel, and God sends his rescue plan. He's in pursuit of his people. And then we get to the New Testament, and we see the ultimate rescuer come along. Where God sends his own son, Jesus, to be here with us, to live with us. But Satan comes in, and he orchestrates the crucifixion of Jesus. And Satan thinks he's won. Now, Jesus is, now God's own son, Jesus, is dead on the cross. But God has one final plan. One thing changes. Because on the third day, the, the grave opens up and Jesus raises from the dead. And Satan is defeated and death is defeated. And God is victorious. Satan is stripped of any authority that he has he has been defeated and as followers of jesus we are a part of that victory we carry on in that victory but the spiritual battle continues because the enemy is still there even though he's stripped of his authority even though he does he, even though he's been beat he still wants to cause as much trouble as he can and so he comes in and continues the battle. 
And we call this spiritual battle of going back and forth spiritual warfare. It's this cosmic conflict that is battled out in both the invisible world, but also in the spiritual realm simultaneously. It's happening in a spiritual place that we can't even see, but we see it manifest itself in a physical realm as well. But so often we don't acknowledge the spiritual realm. We don't talk about this. We don't preach about this. We don't, we don't really want to think about it. When conflict comes up, when hurt comes up, when, when crisis comes up, we don't want to talk about the spiritual realm. We want to talk about the physical realm. We don't want to get into all of that, right? Satan wants to distract our attention from it. He wants to distract our attention from the spiritual realm, of the things that are happening that we can't see. He doesn't want us to think about that. He wants to keep us focused on a physical realm. If he can focus on what we can see and hear and touch and smell, he keeps us away from the real victory that God has for us. Paul gives us a picture of this at the end of his letter to the Ephesians. Let's read in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul says there is something going on in the heavenly realms. We don't see what's going on in the heavenly realms. We focus on the flesh and blood, but that's not where the battle is at. Paul says the battle is not in flesh and blood, but it is in the heavenly realms. It is in the spiritual realm. It's going on somewhere else. And the things that you see in the flesh and blood, the things that you see in the physical realm, those things are really rooted in a spiritual place. I think of something like an iceberg, where, where you see the iceberg and it's, it's above the water level, and what you can see there is only a very small part of what an iceberg really is. Because where an iceberg really exists is underneath the surface in the water. And that's the, where the bulk of it is at. And so as we look at the things around us, as we look at the, the, li the lives that we live, there is this spiritual realm that's underneath or above the surface. Now we have to flip the iceberg metaphor upside down. But there's something that's existing in another realm that we're not seeing. This spiritual realm. Our ultimate reality, who we are as followers of Jesus, it does not exist in this physical place. The reality of our lives, the reality of, of, of who we are and what we're called to, our reality exists in heavenly places, in a spiritual realm. And that's where our ultimate victory lies. Because that's where the battle has been won, and that's where victory exists. But Satan will do everything he can to try to deceive us. He wants to distract us. He wants us to convince us that we can just focus on a physical realm, that we can just focus on the flesh and blood, that we, we don't really need to worry about that spiritual realm. If you can just focus on the physical realm, then he's got you caught. He can get us into believing that God is holding out on us, that he doesn't really care about us, that there's really not victory. 
because we're focused in on the physical. But we operate in a different reality. We operate in a different place. But we fail to realize that and we continue to look for physical solutions to spiritual problems. We look for the physical solution because the physical thing is what we can see, it's what we can touch, it's what we can feel. But the things that are going on in our physical lives have spiritual roots in them. There are spiritual problems that need to be dealt with in spiritual ways, not in physical ways. And Satan has this entire demonic force, this entire demonic realm that wants us to focus on the physical. And they've got a lot of practice and a lot of years of experience in convincing us of that. This is focus on the physical, don't focus on the spiritual. Because they are good at what they do. And they come in and, and, and work to do things like, like telling us lies, creating deception, every kind of destructive activity that can cause us to turn away from God and to destroy ourselves. That's where, God wants, or that's where Satan wants to operate and pull us away from God, convince us to focus on the physical realm. We see this battle played out uh, in, in a very clear way in Luke chapter 4, where Jesus has just been baptized and he is preparing for his earthly ministry and, and he is out for battle with Satan. Let's read Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him up to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in your hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. And so the devil knows how to attack. He knows how to come in and come against Jesus. And before he gets into these real temptations, he really starts by attacking Jesus' identity. He says, if you are the son of God, he plants a question there. If you're really the son of God, are you really the son of God? Are you as confident as you think you are? Maybe you're confused. Maybe you're a little misguided. Maybe you're a little unsure of who you are. 
Because if Satan can get Jesus to start questioning who he is as the Son of God, then he can jump in and start messing around with him. And Satan starts there with us. He starts by attacking our identity. Are you really a child of God? Are you really worthy of that title? Have you done enough good to be able to be a child of God? Does he really love you that much? He comes in and messes with us. Messes with our identity and who we think we are and who we know we are. And it's in that context that he starts to, to distort the truth and starts to mess with him and starts to attack on some, some key areas that we all struggle with. He starts by attacking at, at Jesus' appetite. He's been fasting for 40 days, he's hungry, and so he comes in there and says, you're hungry, right? Hunger's not a bad thing. God gives us hunger, God wants us to be fed, but he comes in and distorts that and says, maybe you want something else to eat. Maybe you want to do it in a way that doesn't honor God. And so he attacks our appetites. Satan attacks our appetites because he knows that they're rooted in what God designs for us and what we need. But, but we have appetites that they get us into trouble, right? We have appetites for food and for sex and for shelter and sustenance and nurture and, and so many more appetites that God gives us. But Satan comes in and takes those appetites and, and distorts them in some way. And so now our pursuit of food and sex and shelter and sustenance and nurture are misguided and led into the wrong place. The things that we're desiring, the things that we're trying to fill ourselves with are not the things that God has designed for us. And if Satan can just twist that perspective ever so slightly, he's got us de derailed. He also comes in and, and attacks our need for approval. Rather than finding peace in, in who we are as sons and daughters of God, Satan will work to try to convince you that you need the approval of others instead of the approval of God. I really care about what people think about me. It's important, right? We want, we want people to think highly of us. And if they, don't, if they don't think highly of us, then somehow we are not, we're not worthy or something. We come in and, and we want others to approve us. And instead of looking for Jesus for our approval, we look to others for our approval. And Satan comes in and says, yeah, you need approval. You need approval of others instead of approval from God. And he comes in and he distorts that. We can focus on what others think instead of what God thinks. And then he comes in and... and Satan comes in and attacks Jesus' desire for ambition. Because Jesus is very ambitious. He's ambitious for people to come into the kingdom of God and know God. But if Satan can distort that and say, it's about coming to me, it's about focusing on me, it's about bringing me glory and, and bringing me attention, then he has twisted it in a way that has gotten us off track. 
Is it about us or is it about God? Are we turning people towards ourselves or are we representing God in the world? Are we drawing people to him or are we drawing people to ourselves? And so this battle of, of, of appetite and approval and ambition, we see how Satan comes in and distorts these things and, and turns things away from the heavenly and turns them into the physical. It's not about what God wants. It's not, it's not about what God thinks. It's not about, about turning people to God. It's about ourselves. It's about satisfying our needs and our wants. It's about being approved by others to make ourselves feel good. It's about accomplishing things so that, that we can feel good about ourselves. It's a physical realm. And God comes in and distorts these very godly things and distorts them into physical things instead of spiritual things. And draws our attention away from the spiritual realm, away from, from what God is desiring for us, and focuses us in on the physical realm. And so if Scripture really gives us a true account of this physical versus spiritual battle, why do we spend so little time talking about it? Why do we spend so little time acknowledging it? Because if Scripture does tell us that that there is a battle being waged in the spiritual realm, should we pay attention to that? Should we acknowledge that? Should we find ways to engage in that? Or do we just focus on the physical, close our eyes to it, and become unwilling to recognize the presence of, of this spiritual activity that's going on around us. I think that might be the strategy that Satan has. Distract them on Bible study. Distract them on church activities. Distract them on careers. Distract them on houses. Distract them on education. Keep them focused on the physical realm, and they won't realize that they're being eaten up in a spiritual realm that the battles that we're fighting are being waged in a spiritual realm. And so we want to take that captive. We want to take those lies captive, take that deceit captive, and say, God is working here in a spiritual realm that we have to engage in. And so how do we engage in the spiritual realm? How do, we, how do we say, yes, I, I, I see that there is something spiritual going on. That conflict that I'm having at work, that disagreement I'm having with my spouse, the struggles that I'm having with my children, there is something going on in a spiritual realm. And God gives us authority over those things. He gives us authority over those things in the name of Jesus. Last week we talked about interceding for others in the name of Jesus, the authority of Jesus, that as sons and daughters of his, we can speak with authority in the name of Jesus and pray for others and claim things for others in the name of Jesus. Jesus gives us the authority to be victorious over the devil. He gives us the authority to speak against what Satan is doing. Satan is defeated because of Jesus, and as followers of Jesus, we have that. 
We are ambassadors of God. We are sons and daughters of God. We carry that authority with us. And so we are operating in a spiritual realm where we have the authority of Jesus. We're not operating in the physical realm. We're not operating in the physical realm. We're in a spiritual realm where Jesus is king. Colossians 1, verse 13. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We are brought into the kingdom with Jesus, and now we're able to operate with the same tools, the same weapons that he has. Our identity as children of God gives us a firm and authoritative position from which we engage in spiritual warfare. That's the position that we're fighting from. It's not a position of weakness. It's not a position of defeat. It's a position of power. And it's under that authority that we take on the spiritual armor of God. Paul continues to tell us about the spiritual armor in Ephesians 6, 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And so we don't have time to unpack all of that. That's like a whole other series right there where we can talk about this armor that we're given. But all of this armor, it's not physical. It's given metaphors of physical things, but the actual armor itself is spiritual. It exists in the spiritual realm, the, 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 the weapons of truth and righteousness and gospel of peace and faith and salvation and the word of God. These are spiritual things. These are the things that we use to engage with the enemy in the spiritual realm. But after he instructs us to put this armor on, Paul doesn't stop there. The armor is not complete yet. He continues in verse 18. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. You see, the armor is not complete until we engage into the spiritual realm through prayer. Until we come into the presence of God in prayer, that is when the armor is activated. That's when things come into play. That's when we are in the spiritual realm, battling in the spiritual realm. We pray in the spirit on all occasions. When those occasions come up, when those battles come up, when that feeling of defeat, when that feeling of hopelessness, when that feeling of crisis comes, on all of those occasions, on every single one of those, that is when we engage in prayer and that's when we engage in warfare against the enemy. Be alert and always keep on praying. Always keep on praying for each other, for ourselves, for the battle that wages on around us. We engage in prayer because we know that what God has already said and promised is there for us. We pray prayers that say, God, do what you've said you're going to do. 
We know what you want for us. We know what you've promised for us. We pray and say, God, be here. Invade this place. Invade this situation. Invade this conflict. Fight this battle for us. And we see, God, we see Jesus using this as he, he battles out with Satan. He, he uses the word of God. He uses the promises that God has, the truth that God has, and brings that to Satan and says, you don't have any authority here. You can tempt me with this, but you do not have authority here because, because God has already made these promises to us. And we're going to claim those promises. We need heaven to invade earth. We need heaven to invade the situations that we're in, the battles that we find ourselves in. We need heaven to invade in. And we have access to heaven and to the authority that's given to us through prayer. Tony Evans says this in his book on spiritual warfare, if the enemy is trying to distract you from praying, that's a good sign. That means your prayers are causing him to be concerned. But don't let Satan intimidate you or keep you from praying fervently in the spirit. When you have suited up for the battle in the heavenlies, prayer is your ticket to take you straight into the heart of it. So if you feel like you're being distracted, if you feel like you're unable to pray, if you feel like things are getting in the way of you engaging in this battle, that's probably a sign that he's concerned about you. That something about your prayers is challenging to him and his realm. And so we continue to press on. We continue to fight through. We continue to engage in, in, in prayer in those heavenly realms, fighting against the distractions, the distortions, the lies, the deceit of the enemy. 1 Peter tells us, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There is an enemy there that is very real. He's prowling around looking for ways to catch you looking ways to steal your identity, to distort your identity, ways to try to confuse your appetite and your need for approval and your need for ambition. He comes in wanting to distort those things, wanting to twist those things to get us to focus in on the physical realm. But our battle is not of flesh and blood. Our battle is of the heavenly realms. And as people of God, that's where we need to be fighting our battles. And we start there with prayer. Let's be standing. Um, I was sharing this message last night with the group up at camp so that they could stay on track with us. And it, it struck me in the middle of that message a situation that I had been dealing with just that day that I had not even realized was a spiritual battle. I was prepping for this sermon and not doing it, <laughs> which happens all too often. I'm prepping for this sermon, looking and reading about how our battle is in the spiritual realm, and I'm in the middle of a battle that I'm focusing in on the physical of. How can I fix it? How can I, how can I take it and change it and fix it? Because it's a physical problem. 
And it struck me just in the moment of preaching that something has been going on just that day that is very much a spiritual attack that needs to be dealt with in spiritual ways. And so I want you to um, just close your eyes for a moment and just kind of reflect on the week that you've had. Reflect on the, the, even maybe just the few hours you've had today. And think, what has been going on in my life this week that is actually something that's happening in a spiritual realm? It's not a physical thing. I've been treating it like it's a physical thing, but it's actually a spiritual thing. What conflict? What discouragement? What sense of hopelessness? What distraction? What hurt? What lie? What deceit? Have you been trying to deal with in a physical realm? And how can you engage with that in a spiritual realm? The hint is step one is prayer. How do we pray against that? How do we engage in the heavenly realm with God our Father who wants to answer our prayers, who wants to bless us? How can we engage with him to fight this battle in a spiritual realm? We're going to spend some time in prayer together now. Uh, We'll have shepherds down front and uh, you can pray with them. Uh, as always, you can pray with one another. Go across the aisle and pray with someone, pray for someone. Um, remember last week, we talked about how important it is to say, I need prayer, to be able to ask for it. And so I want to encourage you to go to someone, one of our shepherds or someone else you're close to, and ask for prayer and say, this is the battle that I'm fighting. It doesn't necessarily have to be specifics but I'm stuck in the physical realm and I need to be fighting in the spiritual realm. Help me fight in the spiritual realm. And so let's do that in this time of prayer and song. God, we lift up each of these situations to you, the things that are heavy on our heart right now, things where, where, where we're under attack. It may, be, um, it may be health, it may be relationships, it may be work, it, it, it could be so many different areas of our lives where where the devil has come in and he has convinced us uh, that you are not a factor. He's convinced us that, that it's our own needs, our own wants, and not really what you want. And so, God, we confess now that we focus way too much on our own physical needs. God, help us to see your spiritual work around us. Help us to to engage with you in that spiritual realm. God, we, we pray against the enemy in Jesus' name. We pray against the enemy who has lied to us, who deceives us, who discourages us, who distracts us. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray against those things. The things that we have believed about ourselves this week that are not of you, God, I pray against those things. I pray for freedom from those lies. That we will see ourselves as sons and daughters of yours. That we will see ourselves as ones who have authority in your realm, in your kingdom. God, help us to walk boldly knowing that we are your children. That you love us. That you bless us and that we are victorious 
because of your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.